Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I am the founder and chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com, and I want to thank you for listening in. Last First Date Radio is an acclaimed show about achieving healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life. We have a great show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Paul DePompo about the other side of infidelity, how to reclaim your life when your partner is married. Really interesting topic, and I know a lot of people have been cheated on or have been attracted to people who are not available, so I am looking forward to today's show. Um, Just a little bit about me as a dating coach. I specialize in helping women date as the high-value woman that they are in every other part of their lives, and I believe that when a person knows their true value, they attract their best partner, and I actually posted this week, last week in the Good Men Project where I write every single week, um, goodmenproject.com. You can find me under the author's page for Sandy Wiener. I wrote about my 20 best tips for dating um, after 40. And one of them was to really up your value because your self-esteem really is in direct response to the people that you attract into your life. I believe that to be true. Um, so you want to have your most aligned partner. You want to build your value. So that is that is a major focus of the work that I do. I help women value themselves. I find that people tend to make mistakes over and over again without realizing um, because we can't see ourselves clearly. We're too close to the picture. And so what I did was compile a free guide to anyone, man or woman, who is dating after 40. And I outlined the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around to find lasting love. It is my gift to you, so if you don't yet have your copy, why don't you go over to lastfirstdate.com when the show's over and sign up on my homepage. I also want to invite any women over 40 to my Facebook group. We have almost 500 members now. It's growing every day, and it's a safe place to come. It's a private group. Um, Costs nothing to join, and it's a place where you can come and share your ups and downs of dating. And I provide positive, common-sense support so that you can go on your last first date. I'd also like to give a shout-out to Audible. Audible is a provider of audiobooks, and they are amazing. If you love to listen to books, if you love to read books but don't have time, um, go to audibletrial.com forward slash date to grab a copy of your own free audiobook and have a free month's trial of the service. So that's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now it's my honor to introduce our guest. Dr. Paul DePompo is a psychologist, author, and speaker, and a researcher. He is the founder of the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Institute of Southern California. 
His no-nonsense approach utilizes short-term techniques that, when mastered in the short term, make for long-term change. I love that because that's what coaching is all about, too. It's actually a lot of coaching is based on cognitive behavioral therapy. Dr. DePompo is board certified in cognitive behavioral therapy. He's a diplomat of the Academy of Cognitive Therapy, and he's the director of the only affiliated training center of the Albert Ellis Institute in California, conducting trainings for psychologists in CBT. He also consults with Hollywood Studios regarding psychological matters. That would make a very interesting show in and of itself. Um, Welcome to the show. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. It's great to be with good you. Good afternoon. Great to be with you, too, and good morning to you, I guess. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the other side of infidelity. So if you can explain a little bit about what you mean by the other side. Uh, I know that the, the whole title of your book is The Other Woman's Affair, mm-hmm. Gambling Your Heart and Reclaiming Your Life When Your Partner is Married. Um, so are you, is this a cautionary tale? Tell us a little bit about what this book is about. Well, thank you. That's great. That's a great uh, lead in for me. So I appreciate that. We are, it's definitely not a cautionary tale. It's not a tale that's either encouraging or cautioning. It's really accepting that this happens. Um, infidelity happens. People do fall in love with unavailable partners. Uh, They always have, and they always will. And we are trying to help the people who are agonizing over it in silence because in our office is in Southern California and we noticed that, um, you know, there's such a high divorce rate, not only here, but in the whole country. A lot of that has to do with, like, there's about 60 million couples having affairs, married people having affairs in the U.S. And, you know, when the research shows only 10% of them work out for the other, that means we're talking about millions of people at any given moment that are just left confused, alone, and um, ashamed to reach out and get help for that. So we wanted these people to figure out why they were getting into these relationships and what were maintaining them so they could make really good choices and empower themselves to, to really have the relationships that they want, whether it's with this partner or or hopefully, you know, with with one that is 100% available. Mm. Yeah, it's it's you know, I, I think it's it goes the span, it runs the span from being attracted to people who are married, um, but also just emotional unavailability altogether. Uh, it's one of the most common calls I get um, for people looking for a coach um, that they have patterns of being attracted to people who are not available. Um, mm-hmm. So, if if you could address that first, um, like what sure. would what would what would make somebody um, create those kinds of patterns in their dating right. life? Well, well, first of all, the fact that your clients are opening up about this to you, I think, speaks to how wonderfully you are making them feel safe, and you know how how wonderful you're doing it, really letting them um, accepting them and letting them be where they are, because. When we did our research that was published in April, you know, we found that most of the time these people were lying to their therapists even due to the shame mm-hmm. over it. But, mm-hmm. but what we found, yeah, what we found mostly was that uh, a majority of the men and women that got into this situation were duped 
in terms of, um, well, they were all duped in one way or another, but mostly duped into thinking that this person was available in terms of either they were not married at the time they met, this is what they thought, or that they were married, but it was at the, they were catching them at the very tip end of the marriage and, you know, thinking it was separate rooms, there was like a separation, that a divorce was in progress. So they really thought they were on some level being able to caretake and nurture this distraught person getting out of their marriage. That was the majority of what the people thought initially at least. You know, but then of mm-hmm. course there was a small there was a small percent that, you know, didn't believe in the fairy tale but then and thought that it would be a temporary thing, but then they actually fell for the person like no other and they kind of duped themselves. Mhm. Yeah, it's so, interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people definitely they get involved emotionally, physically, and it's mm-hmm. really hard to detach once you've bonded with all those love hormones that come kicking in, mm-hmm. the uh, oxytocin bonding and all the Absolutely. many, many hormones that, you know, it's just, it, it's almost impossible um, to use right. logic over over those hormones, right? Yes, it's sad, too, because a lot of, I agree with you, and a lot of people, they think of, like, the Ashley Madison types or from a long time ago, like the Glenn Close from Fatal Attraction, that old classic. But, um, mm-hmm. but, but the women that we saw in this study were well-intended. They have good intentions. Um, they, they, once they found out the true status of the relationship, they had this like um, situation where they were compromising their own values, saying, I know this is wrong and that, that I shouldn't do this. A lot of times they would break up, but then feel pulled back in. And they're struggling with the values contradiction between what if this is true love and thinking that, um, that if this is true love, then it would be worth it. And that they thought that, uh, um, you know, even though they'd have to splice off all the, the, the bad parts of it, that they tried to keep their eye on what they hoped was the prize and the true love. So it, and they're well-intended. And then the other thing that really stood out about who these people are is that when you look back into their history, there was often some sort of attachment break in their past, whether it was with one of their parents or a young significant relationship, but something where they learned that love has to be work, and if it comes too easy, it might not be that good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up the past because... Mm-hmm. It, it's inevitable that any time I dig a little deeper, there's yeah. an emotionally detached father. There's something yeah. in their past that they still haven't healed from. Um, right. So there's that that fixing. I'm going to maybe fix that original relationship through the people that I date. Is that is that what happens? Yeah, yeah. We've we've seen it become somewhat of a Ponzi love, like sort of if I keep giving and giving and giving that at some point they'll see that I'm not like their married partner, they'll choose me, and then it'll all have been worth it. But just like with the Bernie Madoff situation, you could keep giving and giving and giving, but then, you know, 90% of the time, you're really not winding up with anything at the end of the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had something similar happen to me at the end of my marriage, actually. Um, I met somebody, and I was in a very vulnerable state in a you know bad marriage for a long time, and 
I was still married and connected with a married man who I was working with in a summer camp. And he wanted to have an affair with me, and it was my wake-up call to get out of my marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. I was scared to death. And I, I found myself falling for him, but I didn't even know it because I was so turned off my whole Psyche had been so shut down for so long that I didn't realize why I was losing weight, why I couldn't sleep at night. And Mm -hmm. really what it was is this was a man who was paying attention, who Mm -hmm. seemed to really like me. He was very charming. Um, He told me how much he did not love his wife. You know, he said all the right things, and he also told me he would never leave her. And so Mm -hmm. women hear things like that, and they say, oh, but he'll leave her for me. Um, Right. Men are pretty upfront, you know, and and I'm Mm -hmm. actually doing a a video blab um, live stream video with my part with a partner of mine, uh, Bobby Palmer, who's also Mm -hmm. a dating coach for women over 40. And we're talking about noncommittal men and Mm -hmm. uh, recognize the signs and run away. (laughs) Um, Right. Because men are pretty open and women ignore. They ignore Mm -hmm. the blatant things that men put out there because they think somehow they'll be the savior, right? Right, right. But and we've noticed. Well, yeah, I wanted to tell you. You, you reminded me something about that. That that um, you know, when you look at the research between men and women, you know, there's those books like Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus, and all that. But when you look at the the data, it's like what we noticed in our study as well is that men and women in this situation often respond similar, whether the other it's another man or another woman which was kind of, mm. in a way, nice to see that we're not from different planets when it comes to our struggles <laughs> with this, you know? Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that was, that was um, interesting to see that we were seeing a lot of men. One, of the, one third of the people that we um, had in our research were men in this situation, and they did. They said they feel like the other woman. And, um, and mm. you know, when, when we were looking at the married partners, there were four types that, that I, you might find interesting. And it sounds like you had um, the one you met at camp was more of like a Mr. Charming, right, where he was like um, lavishing with uh, attention and mm-hmm. very friendly and caring. Yes. We, we, we have the Mr. Charming, Mr. Lonely. You know, he's somewhat being mm. invalidated by his wife and, he, you know, getting hammered and, and he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to upset the apple cart. And he's lonely. And then there's Mr. Sexually Deprived. Maybe he got married a little early or maybe his wife isn't into uh, as open as he would like and he feels like he's missing out. And then the fourth type was Mr. Ready, which he's the um, least likely candidate, but he's good. He is ready. He, he knows that this marriage has run its course and he is ready to take the steps to move forward with you. Mm. Yeah. So he's, he's saying I'm ready, but he's lying. He's not. Well, he's the, not. The, this fourth character is really ready. I mean, ten percent, ten percent of the times oh, okay. you are getting, yeah, ten percent of the times you are getting a Mister Ready because he's emotionally and physically taking steps to separate. And you know, there's a lot of signs for this. Like, for example, like if he if he has friends or a family member that wouldn't be surprised by the divorce or by you, that would be a great sign that he's Mister Ready. Um, if you know one of his friends, if you're in his future pr- plans. If there's mutual respect, you know, and if and if he's and, and if he's taking responsibility uh, for for his part in, in the whole situation, I mean, those are really good signs to know that this is mm-hmm. a guy who's ready and not just feeding you, um, you know, to keep you going, keep it keep it going along. 
Okay, so he's the one who really is available. Because I, I have yes. seen this work. I, I know a couple who met while, actually I know a few couples that met while they were still separated mm-hmm. and not yet divorced. And separation mm-hmm. means different things for different people. So I I teach my clients to speak up and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really find out from the beginning if a person's on the same page, um, what they really want, um, and make sure mm-hmm. that you're not deluding yourself. So if you can give us a couple of ideas about how people can empower themselves, that would be great. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I would say first the person, let's just say the other woman, the woman that this book is for, she should make some decisions about whether to stay or go and stand behind those decisions. So, for example, she needs a timeline. It would be great if he had a timeline that he was being um, transparent about and was actually making steps on that timeline. But she should have a timeline. Um, and think of it as like a two-track timeline. So like in the two tracks, one would be related to the relationship. So it would be like a timeline for when she, when is too long for her to be waiting and what she's really looking for, and what are the steps that she feels are reasonable given his situation. So she needs a timeline for that. And then she needs a timeline for herself, because what happens in these situations is people put their life on hold, waiting for that married person to take the steps. But the more you do that, the more that married person is likely to maintain what they're doing because there's no conflict really and no problem. And they're in a place often of wanting to avoid conflict. So you need two tracks, one for you. You need to push through with your goals. Um, If you've got work goals or housing goals, self-growth goals, keep that going and then have a track for the relationship and be the best you in both. Be the best you even if he hasn't left yet, provided that it's still on your your timeline this way at the end of it all if it ends up not working out you could then you're mourning the loss of that relationship you can feel like you haven't put all your chips in him and that you're still you know able to carry on that's really important and part of the process of doing this is also like you were saying before being assertive learning how to be assertive um, that doesn't mean aggressive or hammering right of course being assertive mm-hmm. but then you know and then also like Um, having time where you're just being in the relationship. Because one of the pitfalls that could undermine everything is that you just start talking about the relationship all the time. And then he starts seeing you. And then in his mind, he's thinking, oh, my goodness, she's going to go down this list of questions that she has and stuff. So he definitely has to be someone who's going to be sensitive to you and talk about your concerns. But you just need to balance the two out. Hmm. Yeah, I I think that when people really are clear about their own needs, it makes Mm -hmm. for so much better relationship. It's just you can communicate what it is that you need Mm -hmm. without being angry. Um, and yes. and so few people are trained in this, and it's it's just so critical. I, whether you're in a relationship or not, you know, whether you're you're in a partnership already or just single, mm-hmm. I think these are just such important important relationship skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's um, people definitely don't have to feel like they have no power and they give up their right. power all the time and. And you see this in any dynamic. I mean, um, one of my daughters um, is married, and she moved in with her father for the summer. And she has a young daughter and her husband, and they're moving out in August to move to Israel. 
Mm. So, um, yeah, so, but they moved in under certain conditions that they spoke about, and I hear her complaining all the time because mm-hmm. certain things that her father said he would do, he's not doing. And I said, well, what are, you, what are your conditions? Like, what are you willing mm-hmm. to do? Because she's always wanting him to change. So mm. I said, well, what's your bottom line? You know, are you willing to walk? Or you you can move to my house if you need to. You know, that can be an mm-hmm. option. But it's if you just keep saying, stop doing this, stop doing this, but there's no plan, who right. would have motivation right. to do anything differently? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, um, if if, for example, she fell in love with him because he is a kind person, the flip side of that kind person is someone who is going to be um, having a difficult time uh, pulling away from the kids and, you know, and sealing the deal on that divorce. Do you know what I mean? And and if you like mm-hmm. his his charm and his confidence, of course, the flip side of that is when he's under stress, we're going to get some arrogance or um, know-it-all-ness from him that, he, you know, that he's going to feel like his way is the right way. So every good thing you like about him, there is some sort of negative trait. And, if, and just to remember while you're still in it, that if you want that good side, you're going to have to take some of that bad side during that stress, but you have to do it with compassion and boundaries and limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so know. knowing how to set those yes. is, yeah, I think people think that everything's going to be all unicorns and roses in a mm-hmm. relationship, and then, exactly. um, especially if you're going through stress. And that's why, uh, you know, most people, you know, most do, not people date. do not date people who are... People who um, are uh, are you still there? Because I'm getting feedback. Yeah, I'm I'm, oh, no, I'm here. No. Okay. I don't know what okay. just happened. Um, most people do not date people who are just separated because they're, you know, or, or still married and say they're, they're separated um, because they're afraid of what might happen if the person goes back with their mm-hmm. spouse. Um, I find that to be rarely the case, especially if people are on dating sites. But what's what's interesting is now with the advent of online dating apps, um, finding a lot of married people are dating online. It's not just the Ashley Madison. Um, right. I've connected on sites like Bumble, which is mm-hmm. um, Should be a, a nice dating website, app. But, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I've had a few times where I've swiped right, and then it's like, yeah, I'm married, I'm looking for a threesome, and I'm like, Mm-mm. wow. Wow. Not interested. Thanks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and Tinder has a lot of that. A lot of a lot of married people who are um, openly dating. Some sometimes yeah. they're open with their partners, but I think a lot of times they're not. Right. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. No. No. It is. Um, so. So I think an important thing, if you are, if like you're saying, the the woman in this situation. Um, is in it and she's not ready to not be in it, that she does have to um, understand that for her own mental health that it's a choice, right, that she does have control of whether she stays and goes and that that she's making that choice and she has to, like, um, not expect him to change and be able to hang in there for, his, you know, her timeline, um, to not complain or guilt trip or you know, easy on the lecturing and advice and venting and sarcasm to really just take control over is this, am I seeing signs out of him that it's worth it or not? And what is my limit? This way it could be a productive time and she could feel strong and empowered over it rather than 
feeling that she's at his mercy, where her anxiety will likely shoot through the roof at that point. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of rumination that goes on, a lot of thinking like what will happen, what is he going to do, what's happening, what is he doing. And then in response to this rumination, what a lot of people end up doing in this situation is hide out. They sort of isolate from their friends, their family, and then their coping goes down even worse. It's sort of like those shows in a way like The Bachelorette or The Bachelor mm-hmm. where it's like when, you, when you're only focusing on one bachelor – in this case, not even a bachelor, but when you're focusing on one man and you're cut out from all other outside influence, things get way too intense. So you have to kind of take those risks and find those people that you can open up to, share and talk about it. This way you don't just get yourself subject to his influence alone. Yeah, that's important not to isolate yourself and to find the right Mm -hmm. kind of support because there's a lot of bad support out there too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, no, else. I was just going to say, like, um, we, we tested a lot for their um, emotions, and we saw that anxiety was a really big problem, of course, in this situation. And the things, we found two things that made the anxiety worse. One is, like, how long they were in this relationship. And the second was to the degree in which they're putting their life on hold. And that's why I just wanted to stress that, like, if you're not sticking to your timeline, you know, then all the more reason you should go out and, and seek a coach um, to help you with this. Um, mm-hmm. And then you should, at the same time, it's so important if there's listeners that are in the situation right now, which I'm sure there are, that do not put your life on hold. If your lease comes up and it doesn't look like there's any any time soon this person is going to be, like, moving out and wanting you guys to live together, renew your lease. Move. Make your decisions. Um, because so many times, I'm sure you, you've known a lot of people like that, right, where it's like their lease is up, they're expecting this person to um, say something, they're not acknowledging it, um, just have to take control over it. The, the more you do, the more attractive you'll still be to that partner, because I feel like the married person somehow likes that you're not upsetting the apple cart, but I feel like on some level loses more respect for you at the same time. So it's important to take control over your part during this process. Yeah, that's very good advice. I mean, I I have seen women change their lives completely, put everything on Mm -hmm. hold, move to a new city without any commitment, Mm -hmm. um, never meet anybody in their family. You know, it's, it's... you know, there's a lot of nice words and no follow-up action. And um, it's really important to have action and words align. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because it's easy to say nice things and say, you know, yeah. you're the most incredible person I ever met in my life. I love you so much more than my wife. And mm-hmm. then, mm, yeah, right. that doesn't get you very far. So um, can you give us an example of... Um, how like a, a communication sentence stem, like how to bring up some tough topics, like what would you how would you um suggest that people that people bring up some of sure. these tough tough issues? I, yeah, I think there's like two really basic communication skills in this situation that is simple but not easy. And if you could practice and perfect these two basic things, um, I think that that's a great way to confront the issues you need to confront. First, real basic, be able to, like, isolate what the problem is without blaming. So, for example, 
it's been weeks past the timeline and you haven't brought up anything about what's happening, right? That's just facts, no blaming. Now, mm-hmm. now we don't want you to talk from a place of anger, right? Because that makes him more defensive. So we got to look under the anger and look for the hurt or the fear. This is going to increase the likelihood that he's going to want to move towards you and be sensitive and hear you because he's already on the defense. We don't want to put him on the defense because we want him to open up, right? So let's go to the hurt or fear. I'm hurt that you didn't really acknowledge that the timeline has passed, and I'm afraid that you're trying to kick the can down the street here, and and I'm concerned. And then the step number three would be saying what you'd like. I would like you to share with me the progress of what's been going on without me having to follow up with you on it because it makes me uncomfortable. So we've got mm-hmm. to state the problem, say how you feel, either hurt or fear, don't go to the anger, and what you like. It's very likely in this situation the other person is going to come back and say something a little defensive like, um, well, you know, now you're acting like my wife. Hammer, I feel you're mm-hmm. hammering me right now like my wife. And then the second skill I wanted to throw out there is how to assert. The most effective way to assert in this situation is agree with a little bit of what he's saying. And then the second step is to state your position. So, for example, agree with a little bit. It shows confidence. I might be seeming that way to you, right? It might remind you of that, but then come back with your assertion. But that's not mm. what's happening with me. I'm, I'm simply like following that. up on what we discussed Mm-hmm. Right? Coming from a place calm. of confidence. Yes, calm mm-hmm. and confidence. He won't be able to sidetrack you because he would rather, you know, get you into a defensive mode than to really talk about the issues at hand. So agree with a piece and state your position. If you just like agreed that. with a piece, it's weak. If you just yes. defended yourself, it's defensive. You need both of those steps. It'll be very effective. Yeah, and that's good advice for anybody who has to talk about anything difficult mm-hmm. and, you know, has nothing to do with, with infidelity. Um, but really empathizing with the other person before you launch into your your own piece is, is really mm-hmm. good advice because you're, you're building rapport, you're building a connection, you're not disconnecting from your partner. Absolutely. Um, all great tips. This was really wonderful, um, Paul, and I would uh, let, let people know how they can find you and find your book. Oh, absolutely. Um, the book is anywhere online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, The Other Women's Affair, and you could find me on Twitter at the name Dr. Paul DePompo or Facebook, Dr. Paul DePompo. would love to hear from anyone, and feel free to ask me any questions you want or engage me online, and I'd love it. Great. Thank you so much. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening today have been helped by these great tips, and hopefully they will buy your book and learn even more. Um, So thank you, Dr. Paul DePompo, for coming on to the show today. Really appreciate it. It was was great talking to you. Stay in touch. Thank you. You too. And thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have your last first date very soon. Bye-bye.